Hi everyone, welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. The San Diego Union-Tribune editorial board spoke with executives from the San Diego County Water Authority on Tuesday. They discussed a host of issues, including rate increases, what's needed to secure Southern California's water future, and why we can't conserve our way out of this drought. They also gave a tip on the one thing we should all be doing. You'll hear from UT staffers Matthew T. Hall, Chris Reed, and Andrew Kleski, as well as Water Authority members Sandra Curl, Dan Denham, and Kelly Gage. Here's our conversation. The timing for this meeting is really interesting because we've had an essay on Lake Mead and the Salton Sea and another on the Colorado River that have for days been among the most popular on our site. So the appetite for people wanting to learn about this is really high right now. Um, and I, I'm sure we have a bunch of questions, but I guess my first one, uh, Sandy, I think you brought up the rates, which obviously is cutting right to the chase of it. Are, what, how, how, how stable are rates? What are we looking at in terms of potential increases for San Diego County water users in the foreseeable future in the next year or two? Yeah, so um, a great question. And the we have a long-term, long-term financial forecast um, on our rates and charges as a guidance of a high-low. Um, we had um, we fought quite a bit this year. Um, I'll, I'll come around to fully answer your question, but divert for a moment. A good portion of our rate is driven by MWD, and MWD came out with an 8 and a 9% rate increase for this year and next year. And through our metropolitan delegates, um, working with other areas um, in metropolitan service area, we were able to get that increase down to 5%. Um, so our rate increases for next year are um, just about 5%. Um, and that has taken a lot of effort with those pass-through costs. Um, with the um, declining sales environment um, and the investments that we've made in supply reliability. We see it at about that level going forward. What you will see um, and what, what Met has signaled themselves is they're about to go on a very big ramp rate um, hike, um, very similar to what we went through many years ago with our investments. We're basically on different life cycle investments. And so um, Met is looking at big increases with their uh, regional recycling water project now called Pure Water Southern California, uh, investments in Sites Reservoir, investment in um, potentially the tunnel project. And so one of the things that um, is helping us going forward is that we're, we've reduced the amount of water that we purchase from Met substantially. And so as they have that rate ramp, um, we're going to be less impacted by that. Um, in addition to the fact that they're very challenged in their current water situation, um, which kind of makes a double whammy on top of it um, with the investments that they're going to make going forward. State voters have approved billions of dollars in bonds for water projects uh, since 2014. And last year, the legislature did something that was almost incredible given its history. It approved $5 billion plus in new water projects without borrowing, just outright spending for it, which is something that has no precedent in the time I've lived in California. Is there any indication that all this spending will at some point translate into a really concrete help? Because so far, if you read the coverage of it, there doesn't seem to be any sign that all this money is helping. 
Well, I think that there's an issue of timing um, and that money getting out the door. I think um, long-term, yes, that's the case. I think also with the governor coming out with his water resiliency portfolio 2.0, you're gonna see specifically where those investments are gonna be made um, and the focus and what the priorities are. And so I think you will see it in there. Um, in terms of the infrastructure funding, we've aggressively gone after state and federal funding for the local peer water projects, the um, improvement on dam safety. We have 10 dams in San Diego County that are on high hazard of needing improvements. We've gone after that money. We've gone after money for uh, uh, bill arrearages and so forth. Um, and, and it's a very um, slow process, I will say. Um, so we're continuing to engage with the federal agencies, the state agencies, the leadership, our delegation, both the state and the feds, but it's, uh, it's a long process. We had a discussion with uh, some other water officials recently, and they said that uh, one of the hidden aspects in this whole debate over water in California that isn't properly appreciated is the fact that whatever is said in Sacramento and whatever is said by elected leaders, there's a huge and powerful chunk of Californians who don't want progress on these issues because they equate progress on solving water problems with clearing the way for further growth. This is certainly an argument I've heard forever and ever and ever, but the idea that it actually paralyzes constructive activity is pretty interesting. Like for example, will the Delta Tunnel uh, now revive yet again uh, does that is that ever going to really get through or is that something that's essentially just put out there by Newsom as a kind of like a message I care, but he knows it's never going to get through because Northern California Greens ultimately think water progress is a bad thing. Well, there's a lot wrapped up in that statement and I'll take the, the pieces that I can. Um, I think that, you know, it's been long term, as you point out, that there's been looking for a resolution to the Delta. And I think that um, the single tunnel, uh, if there is a project to go forward, probably has the most chance um, versus two tunnels. As you saw, it's a $16 billion project. When it was two tunnels, it was 20 billion. Obviously, Tom's gone by and costs have increased, so it's challenged. I think folks are looking to, um, you know, the how can this get done in an environmentally and sensitive way? Um, and also provide um, for long-term stability of water coming out of the out of the delta. Um, you know, I think you have to look bigger picture when you look at that there was essentially no snowpack out of the Sierras, um, which is what come the water that comes down into um, the delta. If if we continue to experience that, I think it will be. Um, looked at in terms of its benefit um, for for the um, investment. I think um, for a long time, it's no surprise that having sufficient water has been linked to the ability for California to grow. What I will tell you is that the water that we have and the growth that we're planning for is really for the people that are here already. And so this notion that you're going to um, build to bring in a whole lot of people from other parts of the country, I think is a bit of a misnomer. It's for the survivability of the people that are here in the state of California. And it's very clear um, with this climate change that we have to look differently, we have to invest. 
peer water projects need to come online, but they also need an original source of water. Um, we're going to have to figure this out because clearly the state is not going to be able to function just on a continued conservation mode only. We're so Sandy, used to the idea. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Andrew. No, it, it was Dan. I was going to add on to uh, Chris uh, some things that Sandy said. Um, you know, whether it's gro growth or for other reasons, um, you know, there was an effort um, north of us to to build another desal plant. And um, the governor came out and said, let's get this done. This is another tool that we need in the toolbox. And, and um, you know, it didn't go through. Um, but I think whether it's in California or the basin, and I do want to tie it back to the basin, we need projects that produce wet water. I don't think that we can conserve our way out of the situation we're in at this point, in either the state or in the basin. And really what it comes down to, in my view, is, is federal funding. Sandy mentioned um, different phases of, of you know, um, life cycles and whatnot with Metropolitan. Um, a lot is being funded on the backs of ratepayers at, at this point in time, rather than through what have historically been state and federal subsidies of you know, 30, 40 years ago. I think um, right now Reclamation has somewhere in the neighborhood of $200 million budgeted to pay for um, uh, projects, water conservation in the valley, for instance, um, and that falls woefully short of what is really needed to bring Lake Mead elevation to where it should be. There's another 250 million that's out there for the Salton Sea, but I think we all know that that's not enough either. So in, until it, someone is really ready to to solve the problem um, uh, that's in front of us with water in the West, at least in the basin. They're, they're going to have to be willing to pay for it. And I think what we're hearing, and again, this is within the bubble of, you know, the Colorado River, um, you're going to have to pay farmers a market rate for water, and you're going to have to do real infrastructure projects, um, whether that's desal um, on the on the coast or, or whether that's canal lining like what we had done in the Imperial Valley, new water needs to be created. We need to augment the system because I don't think that we can we can continue to live off what we have. I have some question about con uh, conservation, obviously on the mines. I know, Dan, your, your point is well taken that that's not gonna get us where we need to be, but that's in the headlines today. Um, I think it was exactly a year ago now, last July that Newsom asked Californians to conserve. This month, the new numbers out today are that Californians are conserving 7.6%, which is half what he asked. And then cumulatively over the last year, they're, they're conserving about less than 3% in cities and towns. So I guess I, I, I tie it back to the survey results that you guys showed at the beginning where you said 70% of Californians, where that survey said 70% of whoever was surveyed said they supported mandatory conservation. Like, I don't know if I trust that number because nowhere near that amount is doing the voluntary conservation. So I guess my question there and Dan's kind of context is well taken that this doesn't uh, solve the problem is how can we conserve more? We've written editorials that said San Diego is in a great position because of all the work it's done, both from a, a regulatory standpoint and from a residential standpoint, where people have ripped up their lawns and done things. You know, I guess there are still baseball diamonds and golf courses and other things that we could do. But how, why? I guess my question is this: Why? Why does the governor focus on conservation if no one's doing it for a variety of reasons. 
Well, I'm, I'm going to take a stab at that and um, I'm going to ask uh, Kelly to follow up. I think um, the governor is focused on that because it's the most um, easy go-to, visual go-to is the conservation. Um, and when you call out a 15% conservation across the state of California um, and you expect 15% from every area without um, consideration of what the um, usage is in each area or um, its hydrology, it's, it becomes challenging. And so, um, you know, it's, we're all working to support that. We're, we've done a lot. We stand by that position. We're walking a very tight line about we've made those investments, we've conserved, but everybody can still do a little bit more for the big picture because we are all one state and we're um, trying to be uh, part of the solution. But when you get down to the implementation, it becomes a little bit more challenging. Um, so I think the governor is focused on conservation because it's the quickest way to deal with an emergency um, from his perspective. Um, and, and the investments are a longer term um, effort. Um, Kelly, you wanna add anything to that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's right, um, Sandy. You know, conservation is a go-to in terms of um, what you can do in the short term. Uh, those investments in resilient supplies and diversification obviously take much longer. Um, in addition, uh, the 15% call from the governor um, picked a baseline year um, of 2020. So you you know to to conserve 15% over month over month. You know, looking at June 2022 over June of you know 2020. Um, 2020 was a was a tricky year uh, to use in terms of a baseline year because of the different um, hydrologies that we saw in the state that year. Believe it or not, uh, 2020 was a very wet year um, in San Diego, um, especially during um, you know those months that we typically see drier weather. Um, we saw some pretty significant rain events in April of 2020. So when you talk about um, using a single baseline year like that, it's, it's really hard um, without uh, normalizing for weather uh, to see those kinds of um, you know, percentages that the governor has asked for. So you're really gonna see this kind of variability around the state, just depending on what that um, region's water uh, rainfall looked like in 2020. So, you know, it's not perfect, um, you know, but we are doing everything that we can as Sandy mentioned. Um, it is an easy go-to for him. As we look forward, and I know mandates are on, on the minds of everyone, um, we'd like to see using a different metric. And the metric um, that we'd like to see is the long-term water use efficiency standards, right, that the state is developing right now um, in terms of indoor and outdoor gallons per capita per day. Um, we're hearing it, you know, in the next month or so that the uh, legislature will uh, finalize those um, standards and we'll you know, start working in the next 18 months um, to start working towards those long-term water use efficiency goals. And I think that's a much better way to look at it, right? Um, is to establish um, you know, these standards, um, you account for different evapotranspiration factors if you're closer to the coast or if you're closer, you know, if you're inland. Um, and you can start to dial in, you know, those water use efficiency uh, uh, targets. So, you know, I think I think we'd like to see a move away from, you know, these these short term, you know, really quick. Let's cut 15 percent, 
um, when we can do a better job, I think, in the long term with these standards. So um, that's probably a long answer, but um, I think really uh, kind of setting our, our sights on those, those GPCD uh, long term targets is a better, is a better route. Now, I appreciate the context, uh, especially interesting to note that the legislature has something on the horizon. Is there a bill number tied to that or what is that? Do you know? Uh, yes. And give me one second while I look it up. If you want to just drop it in the chat. That'd be awesome. Sure. Thank you, Kim. And so, I could just add, Matt, one other thing. You know, if you look back to the drought of 2012 through 2016, two things. One is that our GPCD, our water use, is uh, never rebounded. Um, and so we're doing another 15% on top of that. I'd also point to that as instructive of, yes, you can get the conservation, but where are you long-term? Um, we're still in the same situation. We need to get our arms around this bigger issue of how do we provide a reliable supply to support California? And going to conservation, um, uh, time and again is not the long-term answer. It's part of the answer, but it's not the whole answer. Chris already brought up uh, one of the major frustrations we get from readers, which is the, I've already, I've already cut as far as I can. Meanwhile, I'm reading in the newspaper, new homes being put in place, new water meters being put in those homes, uh, new water parks being built. We just had a 5 million gallon uh, water park approved in our county and people look at that news and think, well, wait a minute, why, why is this weight on me? So that, that's one of the frustrations. The second frustration is the supply problem. Uh, they look at our reservoirs. They don't appear to have been fully filled during the recent rains. They look at all kinds of water causing devastation in other places in the country, and yet none of it's getting to us. And when we spoke to the two water authorities, uh, local water authorities, we raised this kind of outlandish idea of why aren't we bringing water in from other places where they have an abundance of it? And what used to be a ridiculous thought, shipping water here is starting to be less ridiculous. So is, is that something that's on the, is, any, is that anybody's thought process at all? Um, I think all of those ideas, I'll start with your um, last point first. I think all of those have been under consideration and they'll continue to be reviewed. Um, one of the things that we're starting to see, yes, er certain areas um, throughout the United States are being inundated with water, and yet areas that have never seen a drop in, uh, drop in their availability of water are now starting to see that throughout the country. Um, and with the hotter temperatures across the US, um, there's a lot of concern about what's going to be coming forward um, with their um, hydrology in the future. Obviously, there's a lot of environmental issues with building a pipeline from, um, you name it, uh, <laughs> out to the West. And there's a lot of um, uh, opposition to that of taking resources from other areas. Um, so a lot of hurdles. And you think that what we've done so far is expensive. You know, you can um, put a big um, bow on that price tag. So I think it is challenging. But as you say, you know, as time goes on, when is water too expensive? Is it too expensive when you don't have it um, at all? You look at other options. Um, I understand the comment about new houses going in and about 
What I would say about housing is that housing is very water use efficient based on all of the uh, legislation that has been passed over the years and how building is done today. And again, we have growth in this state from people who live here already. So the question is, which one of your family members do you want to leave the state? You know, um, there has to be some balance in providing um, homes for people. Obviously, one of the number one issues in the state of California and specifically in San Diego is, you know, homelessness, which has a lot of um, tentacles, but one part of it is access to uh, available housing. Um, I can't speak to the water park, I, and I won't, um, but I can say from a development standpoint, we have, um, as Kelly said, made sure that we have the water available to support the housing needs um, in San Diego. Yeah, and I'll, I'll just add that, you know, um, as I mentioned, we have uh, enough supply under a lot of different scenarios out to 2045. Um, and so I, I hear what you're what you're asking, um, Andrew, in terms of you know some of the other areas of the Southwest um, that may not have done um, the planning and diversification that we've done in terms of how do you move that water around to where you get you know these flooding situations um, in other areas of the country and move that out here. Sandy mentioned that's um, it's a very it's not just an expensive um, prospect, not that we can't overcome uh, some of those things, but there are institutional hurdles that you have to overcome as well. Um, in terms of water rights and taking resources, um, you know, away from from different areas, so it, it comes with a host of, of, of problems. Um, one of the other things I'll just add for for the water authority, I mentioned this in my um, my presentation, um, is that we do have additional water supplies that we have available, um, at least uh, for Southern California. Um, we have an additional six thousand acre feet of Cal uh, the Carlsbad desalination plant that we could expand. Um, that make it, to make that water available uh, for some of the other agencies in Southern California. Um, we also have our ground uh, water banking up at the Summit Tropic, which is kind of online storage, if you will, for the state water project. Um, we have you know, brokered a deal with Metropolitan earlier this year for them to purchase um, some of that water and assets in that uh, groundwater bank. And we have additional assets um, left um, that we can certainly um, you know, sell that water to others who are um, still struggling in this current drought or, or potentially um, as the drought continues, have that water available for purchase next year. I'm kind of curious, just a basic question. If, you know, Sandy, uh, Dan and Kelly, if you could do one thing or suggest one thing for like individuals or, um, us as a state, I guess, or as a region to, to do to address the drought issue, what, what would it be? Either something super basic or off the wall. Like if, if there's one thing that you could do to make an impact, what, 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 what would it be? Um, make sure that you're efficiently watering your outdoor, outdoor landscape. Yeah, I would, I would say the same. Uh, the majority of our uh, water use is outdoor uh, landscape. So I think um, either, you know, changing that out um, to obviously California friendly um, landscape would be great. Um, but if you do have um, turf, making sure that you are doing um, 
that watering as efficiently as possible. We've got um, all kinds of weather-based controllers, um, really smart technology um, that can help you with that, soil moisture sensors that go right to your phone, um, you know, to let you know um, kind of the condition of, of your outdoor landscapes. Thanks, Dan, you wanna chime in or is your answer the same? Yeah, no, I'll stick with my um, my big picture theme of the day, which is, um, you know, I, I think a lot can be can be solved if we're willing to commit to long term planning. Um, you know, a lot of the West's economy is dependent on power that's produced at Glen Canyon Dam and Lake Powell and, of course, Lake Mead. Um, you know, those those two reservoirs serve most of the West, most of the water. Um, you know, in Southern California and the basin states come from that source. Um, it seems to me that if we really put our money where our mouth was, we, we wouldn't be having this conversation um, on the Colorado River.